Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's Warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. Now, you might notice today that there's a little more background noise from, than usual, and that's because today we are recording inside Lulu's Bakery and Cafe in San Antonio because my guest this morning is about to take on the Lulu's Texas Ranger Chicken Fried Steak Challenge. You might recognize this awesome advocate and food challenge competitor, Michael Simmons, as Mike Flair on Instagram, where he chronicles his awesome and IBD journey, including raising the bar for eating without a colon. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mike, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. So before we jump into how you actually got started doing these food challenges, why don't you start by sharing your phone story and how you were diagnosed? Sure. Um, I was diagnosed um, kind of right at the end of 2008, started 2009. Um, over the, the entire process is about three months. Um, I just started to um, you know, not really feel all that well, and you have some of the, the typical symptoms of mainly just you know, the frequency and the um, loose consistency. And at first, I just thought I had like a stomach bug or possibly the flu or something like that. Um, but after about two to three weeks of not getting better, um, you know, starting to see um, things like blood and actually like noticeable weight loss, um, severe loss of appetite. Um, we decided to go ahead and, uh, well, I was actually back home. It was, it was uh, Thanksgiving time. So I was home anyway, and we went to a doctor. And um, eventually they, they got us to a GI and, you know, they did some tests. And over the course of about probably two-ish months total after those tests is when I was officially diagnosed um, with Crohn's to begin with in early, early 2009. And where did they start? So you got your diagnosis, actually right about the same time as when I got my official diagnosis, 2009. But um, So you got your diagnosis. How did they, what was your path from there? Did they start you on medications? Tell me a little bit about the journey from when you got your diagnosis, how you did, and then it was um, almost 10 years later that you finally got your ostomy. So tell me a little bit about that time and then up to the surgery. Yeah, um, right after um, being diagnosed, they started me on a um, gluten-free, dairy-free diet, just kind of, kind of as a precaution, just because of, you know, a lot of those foods. Um, I was always, like, really active and pretty healthy eater. I'm not as strict as I had to go on to be after being sick, but, but you know, still ate, um, you know, pretty healthy. And um, they just did that to kind of, like, just reset your digestive system and, um, uh you know, just kind of, kind of get you back in balance and maybe um, avoid any any more irritation or um, agitation or that kind of thing. And I did that for about six months. And in the meantime, they also got the paperwork going um, to start um, Remicade. It was my first uh, treatment option, what they did. And um, I noticed some improvement right away. Just a little more energy was kind of the, the overall thing. Because um, at that point, uh, it was pretty clear that I was going to eventually have be heading to... I had just graduated college, and I was living about two hours away. So by then, we pretty much knew I was going to have to move back home. So in my spare time, I was kind of like cleaning up, um, just getting things organized. And like that would just wipe me out. <laughs> like I could only do about 40 minutes at a time. And then after um, that 
about a month of the low doses of uh, Remicade, I could go for closer to like maybe like an hour and a half, two hours maybe at the most. It was like sorting stuff from the seated position. But I, I just noticed overall just feeling a little bit um, more energetic, having a little bit more of an appetite. Um, and then after the introductory dose, um, they they put me on to just like the regular drop rate. I'm not, I'm not really sure um, what it's you know, what it's called, but I had I had a reaction to it. I, I wanted the anaphylactic shock, and um, that was probably the overall scariest thing because you know they had me drugged. I was just starting to fall asleep, and um, I didn't even really know what was happening. I just started to notice like I was having trouble breathing, but I, I was still kind of in that dreamy you know kind of drugged um, sleepy state. And I kept taking deep breaths, and I noticed, like, my, my breath was getting shorter and shorter. So I finally, like, um, you know, if you've ever been in the hospital, that little, like, kind of panic button. I've, I'd never had to push it before. And, yeah, I was, like, fumbling around for that, and I called in the nurse. And I could just tell by her face, like, something was wrong when she saw me, and she called, like, everybody in. Uh, I couldn't really speak at that point either. So, you know, they got me in. As, as soon as they stopped it, I, you could almost feel it, like, immediately, like, kind of returning. And um, it just it felt like just when you hold your breath for a really long time, um, you know, it's obviously you're not getting any air and it just, um, kind of came back, um, kind of, kind of came back to it. And the doctor was there just making sure everything, um, everything was okay. And they're like, yeah, yeah everything's stabilizing now, you know, they turned it off. So they went back to like the low rate and then I don't remember how many weeks, I want to say eight weeks apart from the, um, the, um, like the full, whatever the full doses are. And they, they thought that maybe I just hadn't eaten enough um, before or something. It was just my body like couldn't handle it. But we tried it two more times. And e each time I still went into shock. Although those times were not nearly as scary because I was kind of aware that it might be happening. Well, so they just left me on that low rate because that, that was helping a little bit. Um, but obviously that wasn't going to be a long-term um a long-term solution. Um, so between that and then just sticking with the gluten-free, dairy-free, um, the symptoms had gone away for the most part. Um, so then they put me on a drug. Um, in the meantime, they were they were going to try it with just sticking with that diet. And they had a, a, um, a drug. I guess they don't use it very much um, anymore. Like from other um, doctors that I've spoken to after having this first doctor, but it's called Dipentum. And you take it orally. And I guess it's supposed to, it's similar to aspirin, I think. Aspirin and Tylenol. I don't remember which. But it's, it's a low-level... Um, Actually, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's, I think that like it kind of coats your digestive tract, and it kind of um, just acts as a barrier. Like once you've already kind of gotten um, pretty much healed, and um, I was doing that for a while, and that that seemed to be working. I was in—I don't know if I ever achieved full remission, but in terms of like physical symptoms, I, I wasn't feeling anything and felt um, pretty good. They said I could slowly start adding um, like wheat and dairy you know, back to my diet if I wanted to. And I did that. Um, I could never really tell. I, I stuck with the gluten-free thing in the long run um, for about six, six, seven years, something like that. And um, the dairy-free, that just seemed like certain... Well, I, I didn't really eat a lot of, like, cheese or milk or anything. Like, yogurt was probably the main thing that I had to cut out and cottage cheese. Um, and then after that, um, I never really noticed that bothering me enough to cut it out once once I um, put it back in my diet. Um, just maybe certain things might, there, there are always those things that you can't really tell. You know, it's like your body just kind of decides to <laughs> give out on you, you know, at any given time. But um, I, I would just kind of go easy on dairy products. Like I wouldn't have more than maybe like two servings in a day and not like two meals in a row or something like that. But for the most part, dairy didn't really hurt me that I could tell. And once everything started to like kind of stabilize and become normal, like I didn't want to be on any drugs. I thought I had the diet figured out. 
So I stopped taking the Vicentum, and that doctor was really hard to get a hold of, and it was, which was kind of um, frustrating. And um, I stopped taking that, and I just tried to stay on the healthy diet, and um, probably for about another year or so, that worked. And um, I don't think I saw the doctor anymore from then, but it was in, I want to say May 2011, I started to get all the symptoms like I did the, you know, the first time um, uh, before I'd been diagnosed. And I went to a new um, doctor, and he he put, he actually put me right into the hospital, which was my first actual hospital stay from it. And um, I tried to go back onto like you know what I thought was the diet that was helping me, and um, yeah, you know, went in there had to have the colonoscopy and all all the all the tests again, and it, you know it was just as bad as it was the first time. Uh, and this time he was going to put me on um, Humira as a treatment. I, and he thought my case was so aggressive, he wanted me on it um, weekly as opposed to, it's supposed to be taken bi-weekly. Um, so I, I did that from like, well, starting in 2012. And then it was one of those things where like, I really wanted it to work. So I think I kept looking for, like, I think it's working a little bit. And then it's like, it really wasn't, it, I mean, it may have helped a little bit. And this is when I started going back to the um, gluten-free and like limited dairy at that point. And, um... Yeah, Humira never really. Well, at first he was telling me that you know should should like within like a month or two months you should start to notice something, and it was really hard to tell. And um, like overall, I was not like that healthy, but I was healthy enough that I could go out. And like worst case scenario is like I might get the feeling where it's like all right, well my next priority is like, I have to go find the bathroom. But it wasn't it wasn't like I have to drop everything and run. It's just sort of like next next one I see or I'm going to go looking for one. So so it allowed me to do most normal things, and then. Um, because of being anemic, I was just like very low energy and just overall didn't feel great. But I, I wouldn't really, um, I didn't consciously feel sick or anything um, like that at the time. And that that's what kind of um, went on. Well, well, eventually when they decided that the humor wasn't working, um, I had to see another specialist. And they started me on um, methotrexate, which is taken um, you know, with it. And um, that one, just to kind of get right to it, that... Over over about six months, that didn't do anything either. So I, I was on the Humira, um, yeah, Humira total for about a year on a on a double dose, a weekly dose, and then about half of that year, um, I was also on methotrexate. And that by then, yeah, I could tell like nothing was really happening. Is you know, I might feel a little better on some days, then a little bit worse on others. But overall, I was just kind of lingering in that same area. So um, I had actually met with a surgeon then back in I think it was 2012 still. And I'd pretty much gone through the entire um, process of having my colon removed other than just making the appointment and talking myself into it. Um, fortunately, in that time, um, with a family friend, um, one of my classmates' older sisters um, contacted me. She's a dietitian, and she told me about the specific carbohydrate diet and some other um, other diets to look into. That but, I mean, it's not a cure, obviously, but it's very successful. So she got me going in that path, and um, looking at it initially, um, I was like, you know, a lot of these things I could cut out. It wouldn't be that hard. There were a few that I was like, oh, that's going to be tough, you know, to just quit cold turkey. But my my thought was like, well, maybe if I could like start it just right at like eighty percent, maybe I get eighty percent better, you know. And at least that would that could kind of get you motivated to do the rest. Which, yeah, I don't know if it was exactly eighty percent, but that, that is pretty much what happened. Like, um, I, I stopped eating the the things that were really easy for me to you know, to eliminate. And almost like overnight, I mean, the the physical acute symptoms went away, like more of like the cramps and stomach aches and everything, because there was nothing new you know, feeding into it. And obviously, it would take a little bit more time um, you know, for actual healing to go on on the inside. But eventually, um, I don't remember exactly how long I did it, but I did start to notice everything, um, you know, getting better. And um, 
at that point, you know, the, the doctor, he still was urging me towards surgery, and he just wanted me on the drugs, and I was getting really frustrated with him, and my, my blood count was dropping dramatically again, and um, they, then they thought my spleen was failing, so they sent me to, like, a blood specialist, and um, I, I didn't remember off the top of my head what your spleen does, and so I looked it up, and it has to do a lot with, uh, like, with your immune system as well. And I know, like, from the Humira commercials, obviously, it says, you know, it's going to compromise your immune system. So, like, I brought that up to him, you know, could that be an issue? Because at that point, I already kind of knew I didn't want to be on the drugs. But, you know, in, in a year, I didn't really have any major bad side effects either. So I was kind of not, you know, not too concerned about it. At that point, I took myself off of everything just, you know, without consulting him. I, I had one, and then this is after you know, a couple more weeks, so I'd been on the specific, well, I... I still wasn't following it like 100%, but I was following it as well as I could. It was very close. There were very few things, but it was doing just that. And I was feeling way better. I was noticing things. And at least for the time being, I was happy, you know, um, you know, doing what I was doing. So when I went in there to talk to him, he was kind of like, well, you know, your, your blood levels are going back up. Everything looks good. He's like, the humor must finally be working, you know. And then I, that's when I told him, you know, off and like, he got really, really angry. And I mean, he was kind of like stomping around his office like a like a child that you've taken a toy or something away from. And you know, he was saying, like, you know, we've done all this work, and, you know, is we this, we that. And I'm just like, like, you haven't done anything. I mean, you, like all he had done at that point was just, just keep giving me more drugs, more drugs, more drugs. That's not working. You have to go have surgery, you know. So luckily, I didn't have surgery back then because um, I, I did that for about three and a half years with no doctor, nobody um, – kind of checking in on me and all my symptoms have pretty much gone away like uh, so I, I had achieved um, clinical remission where you don't feel anything but obviously I didn't have any way to test what it actually looked like on the inside but at least for that time so that, that was roughly between like 2012 and like 2015 2016 somewhere in there the only real symptom I had was just the, the fatigue so I think my blood count was still on the low side but again I didn't really know um, and it, it obviously wasn't unsafe because I was able to do a lot of things I was still very active Within about the same week, somebody, um, when I was more active on Facebook, on like the Facebook page, you said how like, a friend of theirs was, I don't remember how old he was or I was at the time, but he was close to my age, just a few years older than me, and like he was doing really well and everything was fine, and he just went in because he hadn't been to a doctor in a while, and they found out that he had already had um, stage 4 colon cancer, wasn't showing any signs, and like he was dead within 8 months or 6 months or something like that, and that's kind of, that was kind of shocking because it was so similar to kind of what I had done and, and where I was at that point. So that was a little scary. And then I also found out that a friend of mine from college who I reconnected with um, in that time um, on social media, I, I knew that he had had some sort of cancer. But when I found him, um, he, you know, he was doing really well and he was really active and everything seemed fine. And then just one morning I woke up, or maybe not fine, but at least for the time being. Um, and one morning I woke up and one of the mutual friends we had had posted sort of like a tribute RIP post that he had passed away. And that, I mean, that was shocking to me because he, he also seemed so healthy. Even though I know that was a different um, different case, but still. So that, that motivated me to, like, I made an appointment. Just I'm just going to go see a new GI, you know, let him know my story. And everything's fine right now, but just, you know, make sure it is. And, again, to get right to it, when I had the colonoscopy, like, even though I wasn't feeling any, um, or maybe very little physical symptoms at the time, the, the insides looked just as bad as they did in 2008, 2009, which even shocked him. Because, I mean, obviously we don't look sick when we're not feeling well. But sometimes, like, your family and close friends can tell, like, if something's wrong, like, you're right. I mean, you might be a little pale. You just kind of have that look. You, even, like, like, he even said, even your posture. He said, you know, sitting here talking to you, like, you don't look like you feel bad. I mean, you're, you're like, you're sitting up. You're energetic. You're, um, you know, you don't, you don't really look pale. Um, you look fit. You know, he was saying, like, just if you look at the blood, your, your, your numbers, I mean, you're someone who looks like he might get dizzy upon standing, you know. And so he's like, so he was really kind of shocked. 
too. But his his best. Um, I really like this last doctor I had uh, because he he was the type that if he didn't know something, he would just tell you flat out that he didn't know. But he could give you a very good explanation that at least made sense. And what his explanation was is he thought for so many years. I mean, just the fact that you know that I'm active, I enjoy being active. Like that wasn't really hard for me to still you know wake up every day and try to go do something active. But he said, you know, somehow it's like my lifestyle. I was able to kind of like overcome what little blood that I had. And it's like, you know, the human body is going to adapt to whatever you put it through anyway. That somehow my body just adapted to that little tiny amount of blood and being able to run on that. Even though, you know, I did experience some fatigue here or there. But I was able to operate at a much higher level than, you know, just kind of like a textbook would, would tell you somebody would. I mean, I don't look at it as I force myself to. To me, it was just more of like, that's what I enjoy doing. If I'm able to do it, even if it's difficult. You know, I'm going to keep doing it unless I'm like physically unable. So he said, just you know, over the years, your body just adapted to this very low blood count and a way to just kind of like mask the symptoms, so you wouldn't even know that you're sick. So in that year, um, after that, he talked me into trying Intivio, which I, I didn't want to be on any more drugs, but you know, he kind of explained it to me and he said how it's more specialized in your digestive tract as opposed to Humira, which could act on many different organs once it's in your body. I've dedicated most of my life to fitness and health, but as I've grown older and felt the effects of fatigue as I've battled Crohn's, I no longer want to spend hours in the gym every day, which is how I first stumbled across the Cellar Size Rebounder. It's become the backbone of my fitness routine these days, giving me the ability to tailor my workouts from gentle movement to intense jumping that literally activates every cell in the body. And the best part is, it only takes 10 minutes a day for an incredible workout. Find out for yourself what a difference cellar size can make in your health by visiting Crohn'sFitnessFood.com forward slash cellar size. All right, so we moved outside, so it should be a little bit quieter. It got kind of busy inside the cafe, but so you're telling your story. You were starting to talk about switching over to Intivio and just the difference of how that doesn't affect all the different organs the way Humira can. And so Intivio is a little bit more concentrated, focused on the gut. So tell me about your story. Pick up where you were leaving off from the Intivio. And then I think that was about to lead into kind of 2016, 17. So yeah. So at, at that point, I, I was I was pretty satisfied with all the things that I tried. And, um, you know, it was going on closer to um, eight years that, um, you know, from when I was first diagnosed. And um, you know, as I had said, um, surgery was always an option, but it was kind of like it was my call. Uh, you know, my I was treating it well enough that it wasn't like a you know they're going to force you in for like an emergency operation or anything like that. So I finally decided, you know, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give it to be a one shot, and if if it doesn't work, I think I'm ready to go ahead and just start you know seriously taking the steps towards surgery. So um, if, if you couldn't hear me, what I was saying before is um, my doctor, sort of like a full on guarantee. Um, he told me that Intivio should either help you or just do nothing. Like it's, there's not a lot of chance for, um, side effects, which, um, you know, in my case, obviously having it back now, I, you know, I didn't do anything, but it, it, there were absolutely no side effects either. Um, I did have actually, what I'm pretty sure is like my first and only legitimate panic attack. The very first, um, um, IV, because this was back at, the, it was the same clinic where I went for the first one of the methotrexate in the same room nonetheless so it just like it was really freaking me out and i was just, i was panicking but i kept taking deep breaths and i was like I, I was getting all the air so i was like i think it's just me and the you know the nurse came in because I, I buzzed her like two or three times and she came in the third time that's if she just stayed with me for a little bit and the third time she was like no so you're i think you're fine i think you're just having a panic attack she's like i have them all the time you're, you'll be okay you know so so you know i, I just kept 
I still was kind of freaking out, but I, I just kept taking deep breaths. As, you know, as long as I'm breathing, I'm, I, I really don't think anything is wrong. I, you know, I think she's right. Um, so yeah, I, I got through that one, and you know, I, I did them every eight weeks or whatever it was for a year. And um, at that point, I mean, the symptoms were still um, so minimal that I couldn't really tell if it was helping or not. Anyway, but um, yeah, we went back. I, I don't remember if I did another colonoscopy or they just did some other tests that would show. You know, that would indicate if there's inflammation. Um, I remember at some point I had to do one of where you swallow the pill, the camera. Um, I don't remember when exactly that was in, in there, but but with with this new doctor, I remember having to do that. That that was an experience <laughs> as well. Um, but ultimately, it, you know, it didn't do anything. So um, I, I did, you know, start taking the the approach um, to having surgery. And also, if it's anything you'd be interested in talking about, because I, I know it can be kind of like controversial for some people, is later in that. Um, like probably 2015, right up until when I had surgery, I was also using, um, legally using marijuana. Mm-hmm. Uh, in California, when I started it, it was still, um, just medical. And then I think I stopped using it just before it became fully legal. But at, I mean, at the time, I mean, I went to an actual doctor and, you know, they, they, yeah. they don't, well, they don't really prescribe it. They just kind of give you like literature on it and kind of show you like, this is what I would use or, you know, ask them about this. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not really a prescription. I mean, really, they just kind of turn you loose. <laughs> I mean, you're free to use whatever you want, really. But for me it didn't seem to do anything with the inflammation because I was doing that before um, I, I started just before I, I decided to go on to um, the Intivio. Then I was using them at the same time. I mean, I'd obviously again, I'd asked my doctor and he, you know, he said it was fine, which, but just doctor was really cool too. Cause sometimes you know, like the regular GI might really strongly be against marijuana. It's like, it's not something they know as much about, but mine was really cool. I mean, he really did make me feel like, um, you know, whether I can help you or someone else can help you, or I'm just monitoring you. Like I want you to get healthy. You know, he, he really was a great doctor. Um, so yeah, so he, he kind of, when I was using it, um, he, he was still doing like the blood tests every like two months or whatever it was, but yeah, but ultimately it didn't work. But, but what I had the biggest impact um, for me were the, the ones I took as a sleeping aid. Like I never had serious trouble sleeping. Um, I mean, like once I was asleep, I slept pretty well, but you, sometimes I'd have trouble um, falling asleep. And um, the ones that I, that I kind of settled on after trying some different ones, um, they were edibles. And depending on how sleepy you want to feel, I mean, you can kind of just eyeball it, you know, like what a dose is. But usually what I would take, um, I would eat it about an hour and a half or so before bed. And I wouldn't feel like really high or drowsy, like I, not any more than like just if you have a really bad cold. I mean, I never obviously drove with it because there wouldn't be any reason, but, but just to, to kind of you know, if you've ever been in that state and trying to drive and you're kind of drowsy, like it probably wouldn't have been any worse than that. I mean, I, I didn't feel like stupid or silly or anything like that. And then um, after about an hour and a half, you would just get to this point where like, all you want to do is just just sit or lay somewhere and close your eyes. And I would do that. And it's like, before I knew it, I was out, you know? And so it actually worked really well. But again, that was kind of, they don't really prescribe it. They just kind of show you maybe this is, this is like the direction you want to go. Then it's up to you to just kind of go to the dispensary and, um, you know, talk to them. And actually one of the people I met there had Crohn's as well, with, you know, which helped. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the, the sleeping aid definitely helped more than anything, but, but I, I still think just from talking to other people and doing research, that's definitely something that helps a lot. Um, you know. so you pretty much, you tried almost everything uh, almost, um, from yeah. there, all the, all the different medications and everything. So what finally prompted, you'd started to have the talks about surgery again. What yeah. was finally the, the straw that broke the camel's back for you? Um, just for me, it just, it had been long enough. Like I, I was exhausted. Um, I, I knew surgery would open my diet up a lot more and allow me to do a lot more, um, things than I could, um, you know, when I was treating it, um, like just kind of through diet and lifestyle. And I feel like if I had to, I could have done that longer, but not being fully healthy and then still having to go like every, every year, you know, to get checked out, to make sure that you're, 
you know, if you're healthy, you can go another year. Um, just that just felt like such a process that was going to keep me stuck at home because I was stuck at home this whole time, and I just really, you know right out of college, I really wanted to get back on to like whatever I had left of an adult life, and I just felt like surgery was the best the best choice that was going to get me to move on. You know, like hopefully be able to find a full time job and you know, otherwise just be a normal person. You know, because I, I just felt like I'd been like just stuck and not living like a normal life for so long. So um, yeah, for me overall, it just it was time. Like I, I was satisfied with everything that I'd tried. And I felt like if something was going to actually work and put me in remission, I would have found it, you know, by now. So, so you decided. So, 2017 is when you decided to go ahead and have the surgery, correct? Yeah. Well, I think it was actually still 16, but by the time um, by the time the whole process went through, and you know, I met with the surgeon and all that, um, my actual surgery date was November 1st, 2017. So, yeah, so somewhere in there. So, what was it like after you had the surgery? Did your diet immediately open up? Did, were you still on any? Were you trying to take the intibio at the same time, or no? I'd already stopped the intibio at this point. I was just ready um, to do the surgery, and um, right away, like right afterward. Um, but, well, in my case, I, I actually had it. Um, it was everything wasn't functioning properly right afterward because normally they let you out after like maybe three to five days, and um, I, in that time, it just they start you on, I think after a few days, you can have, like, solid food, but it has to be, like, very, um, well, actually, what they still consider a full liquid diet. So, so things like, um, like, cream of wheat, I think it's, like, really soft fruits, that, mm-hmm. and yogurt, anything that's essentially, like, like a thick liquid, um, you know, when it, when it goes in. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't having any output right away, and um, that ended up keeping me there, uh, keeping me there um, for about... Um, two weeks total because I remember it was November 15th when I got out and eventually what they figured out what was wrong it was it was just the natural inflammation from the process that had just swollen everything shut mm-hmm. and nothing, you know nothing was going through um which um you know turned out to not be that big of a deal it was just more of kind of kind of a hassle because at that point like you've already had it done you're kind of I mean for me I wasn't really like in shock or anything because again this was like a long time you know knowing this could you know happen someday um, but still, you just want to get home and, and, and start kind of learning how it works. And, you know, everyone tells you to, like, you know, early on, it's going to be difficult to, you know, to adjust to. And you, you just want to start that process of being stuck in the hospital, you know, kind of indefinitely while they don't know exactly what's wrong. Although my, my surgeon assured me, like, that's not completely unheard of. So they just had to figure out what it was so they could fix it. So, yeah, I mean, looking back now, it wasn't that big of a deal. But at the time, it was, you know, after about four or five days, it was pretty tough every day seeing like you know, maybe the next day maybe the next day or it's you mm-hmm. know two days after everything starts working properly they'll let me go home so you know when you when you haven't even reached that first day it's like you know you're in there at least two more days every day yeah. so um yeah that, that was kind of hard but um yeah early on they, they, they give you a list of um like a timeline like maybe within the first week you know only these foods and then you can slowly start building up so you can have more solid foods and the last on that list i don't remember Exactly, but I want to say it was like six to eight months to have things like raw nuts, raw vegetables, um, maybe some other high fiber food. But I don't remember off the top of my head. But um, but, but yeah, you obviously have to start slow. That's what I joke with people with the um, you know with the eating. It's not it's not like I checked out or you know discharged and went straight to a restaurant or anything like that. Right you know, after. Yeah, it definitely took some time. Well, in fact, I remember when I first had my appetite back. It was probably about three weeks after being home, and mm-hmm. I just had a huge bowl of like hot cereal. And it just, it filled me up and I was so uncomfortable. Like the rest of the day I was having cramps and I, I didn't really have like my full appetite back until like almost 24 hours later. So it's, um, and that was, that was just on hot cereal. You know? so it's, and, and it really wasn't even a large amount. It just compared to what I had been eating. It, yeah. it was like a, I think it was like just one serving even, you know, but, um, but 
So what finally got you interested in doing the eating challenges? So it sounds like it probably took a full year for you to finally recover. You talked about six to eight months adding back the nuts and seeds like yeah. that. Um, when I'm, did you finally decide food challenge? Um, actually, <laughs> I, I decided that before I was able to do it. Well, I shouldn't say I decided. I, I was interested in that before. Um, when I was in the hospital, um, well, actually, even before I had surgery, um, I, I'd always had just a personal um, Instagram account, and I didn't share, like, too much gross detail, but just more, like, family members and, like, longtime friends. You know, they always want to know how I'm doing also. So, yeah, I would share. It was just kind of everything about my life. But then over time, I was like, well, after I have surgery, I kind of like to try to connect with more people and share, you know, more stuff that might be too gross, you know, for for just like your, yeah, like, yeah, just like your regular page, um, or at least certainly by visuals. Um so I already knew that I wanted to make um, like a second separate account and then slowly start kind of like maybe deleting some of the stuff from the other one. And, and obviously, you know, knowing that eventually I wanted to move too. So it's like, if you meet new people, they don't automatically just know, you know, that you um, have this condition. I mean, I mean, not that I'm like embarrassed by it or anything, mm -hmm. but it's, it's just, you know, like when do you tell someone just, yeah. you know, just a, a hi, hi, I have Crohn's disease, you know. It's, <laughs> and it's not it's, only you, it's, it's right. a part of your life, but it's not the only thing yeah, so, you. Yeah, so it's not something I necessarily want to hide, but I don't want it to just automatically like, just be out there for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. upon meeting you either necessarily. So, um, yeah, so I, so I knew I wanted to make the second page, but I was like, other than just your experiences, like I wanted it to go in some kind of a direction. I, I was kind of, um, you know, planning on thoughts, thoughts in my head. And actually it was when I was in the hospital, um, I want to do something kind of with eating because that's that's what I feel like was restricted most because I, I was still pretty active um, even before I had surgery. I mean, I, I wasn't as healthy as I could be, but um, I think eating was overall like the biggest thing that I was looking forward to. And to my surprise, I, I thought there were still going to be some restrictions, but um, my surgeon told me, um, you know, I mean, she said, you know, if I do a good job you know, on the surgery, you'll be able to eat whatever you want. She said, you might still find over time there are things that give you trouble or maybe you can't eat. But she said, don't, you know, don't go into it thinking you're going to have any restrictions. You, you should be able to eat anything. Like, I mean, you can tell she's really proud of her work, too. Like, yeah. I, I, like I, I, want, I want you to be able to eat anything. So I was like, well, you know, that sounds good. But obviously, you know, I was going to take it um, slowly. But while I was in the hospital, I, was, I watched a lot of, like, the food travel. Not just, like, the stuff your face kind of shows. Mm -hmm. But just, the, you know, the travel shows and the food shows and the cooking shows. And um, so I, I had already kind of had food on my mind. Um, but I didn't know exactly what I, want, what I wanted to do. And somewhere in there, I, I must have seen an episode of Man vs. Food. But also, I remember this day really, really well. Um, ESPN was um, debuting or premiering their, um, it was one of their 30 for 30s. It was on the uh, wrestler, Ric Flair. And he's the one who kind of made like the WWF, like just that over the top, you know, showmanship, kind of ridiculousness, you know, campiness to it. And um, somewhere in there, it just kind of got my mind thinking with all these things I've been watching. And I was like, what if I did that with food? Like at first, it wasn't going to be big food, but just even foods that like maybe you're not supposed to eat or anything like just as long as I felt safe yeah. doing it, you know, just test the limits of all things eating with an ostomy. And then eventually that just manifested into like, I want to do challenges, you know, mm -hmm. see if I see if I can do those. And the first one I did, I don't remember the exact date, but it was mid April, so five ish, six ish months um, after surgery, mid April, 2018, I did in um, Paso Robles, California. Um, it was a, well, the whole meal was three pounds. It was just bur like just a burger and fries, a really large burger and fries. And it's just the vegetables I was a little worried about. I was just extremely thorough in chewing those. But everything else, you know, at that point, you know, seemed safe. I hadn't had any major setbacks, um, you know, leading up to that time in reintroducing new foods. I just had to take it slowly. I, you know, I followed what they said. And as long as I didn't have any, um, you know, like hiccups or anything, um, you know, I, I felt safe, you know, kind of pushing it a little bit more, a little bit more within reason. 
And um, just kind of in that moment, I didn't even know if I was going to finish it because oh. I'd never done one. I just thought it was fun. I didn't have especially only six months after. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Have, I didn't have any like really, really um, extensive preparation. Just you know, just going. Yeah, just going really hungry. You know, as hungry as you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably about maybe thirty-five. It took me forty-five minutes. Probably about thirty-five into it, and you had an hour to do it. About thirty-five minutes into it is when I kind of realized like I'm going to finish this thing. And it was like it was a, such a rush, and like I hadn't just eaten like a big meal like carefree like that in. Over a decade, and it just like that's when I knew I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I, I want, I just want to eat like everything, eat really big meals. You know, try to win as many of these as I can, and you know, and then just share them too. Like, not, not to sound like you're boasting or like to show off necessarily, but um, but overall, on my page, like, I, I just want to make surgery seem less intimidating and less daunting to people because um, for me, it's, I mean, on the one hand, you definitely kind of wish I'd done it sooner, but at the same time, like. I can almost guarantee you I wouldn't have this hobby now because if I'd done it yeah. sooner, I wouldn't have missed so much time, which wouldn't have made it fun to do. So I probably would have just gone right back to eating like a normal person and it wouldn't have been as enjoyable after having um, you know, to be on such a strict and limited diet for so long is what's made it so fun. Um, but yeah, just to show that you know we can still eat a lot of things and like most people probably don't want to go eat these excessive quantities, but even if it's just once in a while, um, like let's say if... I don't know, you go out with your friends and that's just what you do like once a year, you, you guys all meet or something like that. And, you know, maybe ask your doctor, like, hey, you know, after I have surgery, will I, have, will I be able to eat a four pound burrito? And I say, oh no, I, there's no way. It's like, you, you can pull up my page and, you know, not that even, even you would want to, but just to show like, well, it's been done. You know, yeah, exactly. Just to show that people have done these things. So and what um, a mind shift too, coming from the perspective of a lot of people, even if it's before surgery or they haven't had surgery, people with Crohn's and IBD, I know for me for a long time, you become afraid of food. You yeah. just, you, you're afraid to eat. You wouldn't ever dream of doing anything like that. So to go through the surgery and then to really have this freedom of just not only can I eat food again, but I'm going to show others that there is no limits that you can do right. this. How, you know, how, what a cool thing to be able to show that. Yeah. And obviously there's no guarantee that anyone's surgery is going to be as successful as mm-hmm. mine was. And I, in the back of my mind, that is always there because I mean, having Crohn's, it, it could show up again, you know, somewhere else, you know, not in your colon. However, my, mine is one of those tricky cases where I was kind of like, my diagnosis was flip-flopped a couple times. Mm-hmm. And the final one, I don't even know if this is a real diagnosis or just like, you know, like my doctor put it, you know, kind of makes sense in the doctor world. But um, my official last diagnosis I had was Crohn's dominant colitis, which mm-hmm. what that means is um, I don't remember exactly which test, but like on some of the blood tests, it looks a lot more like Crohn's. But on the actual symptoms, like I, I've never had any issues outside of my colon. So obviously, you know, with with, um, with Crohn's, I mean, if you have, if you've had issues other places, even if you have the surgery, you know, likely it's going to come up somewhere else. You might not be able to eat as freely. So in my case, I was fortunate that even though you know it is considered Crohn's, that's why I tell people I have Crohn's. It, it acts a lot more like colitis, and my colon is pretty much the only thing that was really giving me any trouble. Yeah, along the digestive tract. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was in that mindset that if I had to for the rest of my life be on those strict diets, um, yeah, I was going to. So, um, you know, the fact that I don't now and I still, um, when I'm not doing those, I mean, I, I still pretty much eat, uh, like I did before I had the surgery. I would say the only thing I eat on a regular basis that I couldn't eat or wouldn't before is like just various kinds of breads. Um, because mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's an easy go-to thing, um, you know, bread, toast, and you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I still eat, um, you know, um, a lot, actually, not even a lot of meat, mostly chicken, um, fish, vegetables, um, not a ton of grains. Um, yeah, for, clean, basic yeah, yeah, for the most part. And then obviously when I do the challenges, I pretty much throw anything out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, obviously I can't 
count them as healthy, but I still try to stick to real food. I mean, there, there are some where like certain things and they might be highly processed, but um, something like hot dogs. If, like I, I don't think I could ever just consciously do a hot dog challenge because they're so <laughs> processed. It's like it's gross. Like if you fixed up like a burger or an omelet or something that had like one chopped up or maybe even two, you know, just mm-hmm. a few, a small amount, I could just kind of close my eyes and like, okay, well, I, I never eat this stuff, so. You know, it's, it's not it's not really going to hurt me just this one time. But, yeah, I don't think I could ever do, like, like a few that I've done have, like, a lot of American cheese. And that's about as far as I can go consciously where I can, yeah, I can just kind of close my eyes and just pretend that it's something else mm-hmm. or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I, I try to still stick to real food, even, even if it's not healthy. Like, I haven't done a lot of, like, sweets or desserts, like, junk mm-hmm. food type challenges yet, which I am open to. But it's yeah. just that I, I haven't really had a, yeah, had a chance to do a lot of them. And those aren't necessarily ones I seek out either for that reason. Um but yeah, I've done a lot more of like burgers, sandwiches, um, omelets, burritos, um, or some that are just a combination of like um, you know a few different items. But but usually it's it's still some sort of like a real meal for the most part. How often do you try to do the food challenges? Um, well, on, on a regular schedule, I try to space them out approximately every two to three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. But since I moved um, out of California, there's not as many nearby, but. I'll also do, when I was sick, um, or before I had surgery, I, you know, I had to learn to cook for myself a lot, too. So I, I can always just, like, make something, like, you know, that serves however many people or just, like, one, um, like basically just one giant meal, like, homemade mm-hmm. and just eat it myself for fun. And, and own challenge. Yeah. So, like, and if you go by weight, that's kind of, like, good practice, you know, to, to mm-hmm. stick with that. Um, but otherwise, like, if I'm traveling, I'm, I might do, depending on how large they are, I might do a few... Like I've I've done three in five days before, wow. which you know I, I wouldn't be able to keep up that pace. You know, you eat in between the, the uh, challenges, it, it depends. Like um, I would say, like this time being out on the road, um, there's no, I don't do a lot of physical activity or moving in between, so I don't really build up a lot of hunger. So I haven't eaten much in between. Maybe just a little snacking here or there. Um, but um, normally, like if I'm at home and I'm still active, um, I, I still eat like. If it's a really big one, I probably won't eat dinner that following, you know, the rest of that day. Or if it's a big one and or like I did it early enough in the day, um, I might have just like a small, a small dinner at, at best. But usually right back the, next, the following morning, if I'm back on like on my regular like activity routine and all that, I go right back to like you know, how I normally eat usually. Now, how does fitness, you talked about a little bit just being active. How does fitness play into your overall kind of maintenance of health and managing symptoms? Because you're pretty active. You showcase on your Instagram, food and fitness. So tell me a little bit about that journey and kind of what you do with it now. Yeah. Um, well, I was always really active growing up, um, like just, you know, playing sports and everything. So just being active is, you know, is natural to me. Um, I got more into weightlifting after getting sick because I mm-hmm. kind of, I wouldn't say that Crohn's like specifically stopped me from playing any sports, but it, it kind of made them not fun. And, you know, the, the way your body is always kind of you can never, you can't always control how it's going to respond to certain things. So it's ultimately, and plus when I was diagnosed, I was 27. So you're just starting to get that age too, where it's like, unless you actually have like a career or anything. And it's like, maybe it's time to start you know, slowing it down and shutting it down anyway. So, um, so between those things, I mean, like, I, feel, I feel like I aged like a decade overnight, you know, when I got back to being able to be a little active. So, um, so I stopped playing as, as much like, you know, um, sports kind of high impact kind of things. And, and just started, I mean, I lifted weights before, but I, I didn't really, um, you know, have any kind of set routines. I just kind of did it as part of your, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy doing a little. So as I learned more about it and um, also working in the fitness industry, 
um, I got more into weights after I got sick and you know started to recover again. Yeah, I think I saw on your Instagram that you got your uh, exercise physiology yes. um, certification while you were in the hospital recovering. Is yeah, that correct? yeah, I'd, I'd been a personal trainer um, like right out of college since 2008. And then in um, 20, well, 2017, I'd been studying, but I got, got all the material and I like, really started studying like that whole, like the first six months or so. And then, yeah, it was in May of 2017, um, I got my exercise physiologist certification. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a test I don't ever want to take again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to make sure I keep all, the, all those uh, current with all the continuing education. Yeah. That, yeah, that was, it wasn't really any new information, but it's just, it's a lot more in depth than yeah. it was. There's a lot to remember. So. <laughs> Do you find that it has helped your symptoms over the years of just keeping everything under control, staying active? Um, I think so, just because, I mean, being active, um, you know, it's just good for anything. I mean, you know, it's, it's good even just, you know, kind of mentally, spiritually, you know, that kind of thing. But it's hard to say because, I mean, I, just by nature, I like to be active. Like, um, on on my, my um, like I call it my sick page, <laughs> but, but my page where I feature more about, um, you know, life after surgery. I'll do more sometimes where I'll show like progress pictures, or, like shirtless pictures and that kind of thing. But like on my other page, like in real life, like I, I, I don't go around like shirtless or like short sleeves or anything all the time. So it's like, I'm just one of those people. I, mean, I really do just enjoy being active. So it's, I don't just do it for like the way it looks or, I mean, I, so it's hard for me to imagine not doing anything. Um, so it, it's really hard to say, um, you know, cause the only time that I, I wasn't active when I was sick is when pretty much I was too sick to stand up, you know, and do anything like even, even like right after surgery, you know, they, they want you to walk, you know, get your 5,000 steps. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get 7,500 because I just, that's, that's just how I am. And I did that the first day, but it, it took such a toll. I was kind of, okay, well, just, just do 5,000 5, till. Cause, I mean, some people struggle to get 5,000, you know, so, okay, well, you know, 5,000 is definitely doable. Like it's, um, I don't hurt the next day. Like I feel like I could do more. So then, you know, I, over time I, mean, I tried to, but I mean, that, that's just my mentality. It's kind of mm-hmm. not to the point where it's like detrimental, but it, that's just my instinct is like, you know, if you, even with like with these challenges, you know, you give me some kind of a goal, like I see if I can do a little more, just right, just 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 for fun, you know. It's um, but yeah, seventy five hundred early on was too too much, but um, but, but yeah, I, I think just being active, you know, it, it just helps your body kind of um, you know, with, with whatever it's dealing with, it's you know, it's going to help in any way. So um, yeah, I, I definitely think physical activity helps, but but you also have to listen to your body. Um, like yeah, I mean, if you're going through a flare, and like you know, building muscle, for example, might be your goal, like. It's, just, it's not really going to happen because so much energy is going into just keeping yourself healthy. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you should scale back to just um, like if you're lifting weights, something that's just um, not not really challenging for you, but just to kind of keep um, keep the muscle stimulated and you know just kind of keep that tissue active. Or if that's too much, I mean, even just walking, you know, um, what, like, whatever you can do, I, th- I think is good to do. But but I mean, if you get dizzy walking, obviously even that's something that maybe you should restrict unless you're um, you know able to do something, but. Yeah, I mean, it might even just be walking in your house every day, you know, walking up the steps, um, you know, two or three times a day, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, as you get healthier, I think you can push it more, but you definitely have to listen to your body mm-hmm. as, as well. So you mentioned a little bit um, when you started your page of just showing life after surgery and, and so showing the food that you eat and doing the fitness, um, just keeping up, keeping healthy, showing your fitness and showing the food. What has the journey been like in having that page and sharing your story and opening up so much more about it and showing this side of life after surgery? Um, it's, it's been really nice. I've, I've met a lot more people since doing that one because obviously I'd met a few um, before because with my other page, I just kind of shared a little bit of just you know, all aspects of my life because mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really hide it. Um, but yeah, I've definitely met a lot more people um, 
And it, what I think is really fun too is a lot of people have taken similar approaches that I have, but maybe they like they might still do competitive athlete, athletics or bodybuilding or some other kind of like like track or swimming or um, even bowling. I mean, you know, whatever the event is, just you know, you, you still do it. Um, and like for me, I, I also just picked eating because I'd never seen that before, you know. And it's, so it's like I would do it if, if I wasn't posting or if nobody would watch it because I it's fun. But to be able to share it with people and like whether you just get like the fun, you know, funny comments or shocked comments or, or other people, they're just like, um, maybe, maybe, you know, they don't want to eat on such a, um, like such a large scale, but just, you know, something that I've done, um, you know, maybe just a more of a normal size though. But like, Hey, I, I could, I think I could eat something like that. You know, it's, yeah. um, it's, it's just, it's just fun to see and, you know, connect and, you know, everybody in their own way has some kind of a struggle, but some, some way that they're overcoming it too. Even if it's just, maybe you've got like, you know, a few kids and just being able to maintain your household is, I mean, that's, that's overcoming it and, you know, and doing something. So, um, I, th- I think that's, what's cool is just being able to connect with so many people and, um, wh- whether it's people that have reached out and say that you inspire them, or if they're going through a hard time and you could wish them encouragement or, um, just again, people that do, do something, you know, with, with their, um, with their ostomy and, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. stop them. It's, it's just fun to see there's so many other people out there, um, you know, like you in some, in some way. So before we wrap up, tell me a little bit about the challenge that you're just about to take on after we wrap up here. So we're at Lulu's Bakery and Cafe in San Antonio. Tell me about the challenge that you're doing today. So this one, the whole meal is three and a half pounds. The star, so to speak, is the chicken fried steak. It's about one and a quarter pound. And um, for ones that I've done, this should be no problem. Where the issue comes in is you only have 12 minutes to do it. And um, that's one thing is having a colostomy. Obviously, I'm not a speed eater. Um, you do get your choice of the sides. So I'm going to I'm gonna make it as safe as possible so I can eat as fast as I'm able to eat comfortably and not have to worry about um, – well, I shouldn't say not have to worry about chewing. You always have to worry about chewing. But, you know, like the meats, uh, mashed potatoes – I'm not sure if I'm going to get some other sides. The, the biscuits that come with it, the gravy, those are all things like compared to like the raw vegetables or beans. You might have like in a burrito or something. Um, those are things that can be digested a lot easier. And I feel like I don't have to chew quite as thoroughly. So realistically, 12 minutes, that's a pretty tight time limit. But I don't think it's so tight that it's out of the question. Uh, I mean, just to for kind of like precedent, whether they're homemade or actual other challenges like I've done some in like the three to four pound range, upwards of like 15 to 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having one that I don't have to stress over too much. um, I mean, obviously safety is always number one. I I always joke if I win a shirt but end up in the ER, I'm pretty (laughs) sure I still lost the challenge, even even if you you did win the shirt. Um, So I've never had any major like failures with challenges. Like I've never puked at a restaurant. Um, I've had what I would call some reactions kind of. Um, felt a little sick afterward, but this this is like hours after when I'm at home. So um, if I ever felt that way at a, at a restaurant, I just decided you know I, I can't do this one because I that's that's sort of like the bare minimum. Don't don't go to the hospital and don't puke. Mm-hmm. You know. So other than that, I kind of <laughs> right <laughs> right because I I'm sure sooner or later there might be one day where you think you know your body and you're so close and you just push it and maybe it'll come back up. But you know at this point, yeah, I've never been in that situation. I've either finished it. Or it's been so much food left when I start to feel even the slightest uncertainty that it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I'm not going to eat this fist-sized pile of French fries after eating, you know, whatever it was that I've already eaten with like six minutes left. So I'm, I might as well just call it and not, you know, not yet, it yeah, not not risk you know anything <laughs> happening. So um, yeah, so the 12 minute time limit that's really really where the true challenge comes in today. But 
know, who knows? I might, I might surprise myself and you know, be able to knock it. I, I, I don't think it's out of the question. I just think it's a little like if I'd put money on it, I think you'd have to put the odds on the, on the you know, the, the, the time running out. But I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just knock it out as fast as I can for fun, and you know, we'll see, we'll see what that is. So. And we are going to post it on the live, so we should be able to save that video. I'm hoping we'll we'll live stream it on the Instagram. We should be able to save it, and then I'll I'll share it so that hopefully I can have it attached to the podcast so that listeners can go back yeah. and, and rewatch it. <laughs> so if people want to keep up with you, where can uh, tell them where they can find you online and where they can follow your journey? Yeah, um, my Instagram handle it's at uh, Mick Flair. It's M I C underscore F L A R E, like a flare up. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm working on a YouTube. Um, channel right now a lot of people that i've met on there that's what they told me that they see all the before and after pictures or, or sometimes i might just have a few like short clips um, that i'll share in the stories like if the one has a really long time limit that i don't have to eat too quickly or no time limit and then i say you know, we, we want to see it because it's just it seems crazy you know some of the before and after pictures so i'm working on that now but i'm not the best with technology so um i don't have that i don't have that completely up and running um the best i can do right now is like i'm collecting footage and then eventually i'll you know, be able to, there'll be a delay before that actually gets on there. Um, but I'll, I'll have a, I'll, I'll share it. If you know, if you follow me, I'll, I'll share a link and, you know, keep everybody posted with that. And actually with that, I don't just want to do um, the challenge. It'll just be kind of an extension of my Instagram. Um, but also I want to share more of like just regular meals and talk more about how I can eat so much more after, um, not more in quantity, but just so many, um, like a variety of things um, after having surgery. And um, I'm still scared of corn. A lot of people, a lot of people have told me, you know, if I can eat peas, lentils, um, beans, and those kind of things, corn shouldn't be a problem. But I also feel like there's like there's got to be some kind of a kryptonite out there, and that just be so ironic that you know I can eat these you know massive you know six pounds of something, but then like a corn kernel is going to send me to the ER. You know, like, I just have this fear, and I've actually accidentally had like small chunks of corn too, and they they just pass like with you know normal people you know yeah. it just it passes um but i've never had like a you know, like a spoonful or a mouthful of corn or anything and i'm just kind of kind of anxious and scared mm-hmm. to do that and i really don't miss it much so i'm sure someday i'll go ahead and try that but for the time being that's that's like the one thing that i just i just have this fear of lettuce is my one thing I, lettuce is my kryptonite that i'm i'm starting to eat more and more foods but i'm still afraid of that yeah. one so <laughs> yeah that, that's when i have to chew thoroughly but i've, I've never had any major issues with it so well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been really fun, and I'm excited. So why don't we go ahead and get in there, and we'll start this food challenge. All right. That sounds good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> hey, everyone. Many of you know how much I love the Intestinal Fortitude Supplements. Ever since discovering these products when I interviewed the founder, creator, and Crohn's warrior, Will Jenkins, for this podcast, I've been using their probiotic, gut lining repair, and anti-inflammatory These products were developed by a Crohn's warrior, specifically for those of us with IBD. And for me, they have become an important part of keeping my symptoms, including mucus and inflammation, at bay. I truly love these products, and now I'm excited to let you know that if you use code CFF10, that's CFF like Crohn's Fitness Food, you can receive 10% off your order. Visit Crohn'sFitnessFood.com forward slash IF. And if you want to hear more about the creator, Will Jenkins, be sure to listen to episode 11 of this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, 
Or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohnsfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at crohnsfitnessfood or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.